And I want to extend a very good morning to everybody and a warm welcome to our service here at Stormy Free Church. And uh, we pray that everybody who's uh, listening in and watching today will know God's blessing. And as we come under his word, that his word will indeed be a source of light and life uh, into our own lives. We're going to begin by reading from Psalm 34 in Sing Psalms, page 40 in the, the psalm book. Psalm 34. At all times I will bless the Lord. I'll praise him with my voice. Because I glory in the Lord, let troubled souls rejoice. Together let us praise the Lord, exalt his name with me. I sought the Lord, his answer came, from fear she set me free. They look to him and shine with joy, they are not put to shame. The suffering man cried to the Lord, from him deliverance came. The angel of the Lord surrounds and guards continually all those who fear and honour him. He sets his people free. Let us now bow in prayer. <clears throat> o Lord our God, as we come to you this day, we give thanks for another day, another opportunity of worship, another time where we can experience your blessing. We give thanks, Lord, for all the blessings that we receive from you every single day of our lives. And our lives are full of blessings. And so often we don't stop to reflect upon what you are doing for us and what you are giving to us. As the old chorus says, count your blessings and name them one by one. And it will surprise you or amaze you what the Lord has done. And that is true when we really stop and reflect and think of all the blessings uh, both spiritual and temporal, that you bring into our lives. It truly is amazing. We pray, O Lord, that we may seek you with all our heart, that our seeking of you will not be in fits and starts, uh, but that there will be a constant setting the Lord before us every day of our lives. Uh, we realize that that is the way the psalmist went, that the Lord was continually before him, and in that way, he experienced God's light opening up the way for him and God's hand directing him in the right path. And that's what we want ourselves to, because we do not know the way to go. There's a word in, your, in the Bible which says that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And help us, Lord, to realize that sometimes the paths that we take, uh, while appearing to us, they might be the right path. Uh, it is still the wrong path. And so we pray that uh, we might have your light and your direction upon us. And we pray that the truth of your word, which says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you shall go. I will guide you with mine eye. And it might be the rule for our lives and that we might experience uh, your hand upon us, guiding us through life as we face all its opportunities and challenges and as day by day we engage in life and all that it throws up uh, to us and for us. We pray that you will help us in our relationships one with another and although at this time it is becoming ever more restrictive and we miss the ordinary company that we that we enjoy in life and so often now we're finding that through <clears throat> the Although not a full lockdown, yet uh, 
life is so restrictive in so many ways. And uh, we ask, O oh Lord, that in all the situations we're in, that we might know your grace. We so often have taken things for granted. We've taken family and friends for granted, maybe. We've taken your house for granted. There's so much, Lord, that uh, we, we just accepted as uh, our right. But we see how quickly things can change. And so we pray that that we will be given the grace throughout this period to accept what is happening and to, to know that your providence often is mysterious, but you are working out a purpose in everything. We pray that we might be all taken through it. And when we come out on the other side, we pray that we might have a new appreciation of your goodness and mercy towards us. We pray not just for ourselves here, but we pray that that might be true nationally, that there will be a new appreciation of the hand of God at work amongst us. We pray for our leaders and all in authority over us and pray that you will help them to make the right decisions, that they won't just trust in themselves. Lord, we do acknowledge and realise the great place that science has and uh, we pray that you will grant wisdom to our scientists and doctors and all the areas of uh, that are seeking to advise at this particular time. But Lord, we pray that they may look beyond and to see that you are the great physician. You are the one who is full of wisdom. And we pray that that is the wisdom that will guide us. We pray, Lord, that you will protect us as numbers continue to soar. And uh, we ask, Lord, that, uh, that it might please you uh, to bring a halt to the spread of this virus and that a vaccine will soon be found and uh, that a greater degree of normality will once again be the norm within our lives. We pray to bless the gospel today as it is uh, preached throughout uh, not only our own land but throughout the nations of this world. We give thanks, Lord, for the technology which is able to, where we're able to communicate the gospel in this way. And we pray that we might, oh Lord, it's not the way we want to do it, that we might embrace these things just now and realise that your hand is in this and that you have made preparation for the spread of the gospel at this time for the world is in a, in a difficult and different stage in its history. We pray that you will be with us and be with all who are facing troubles and trials in life, with those who mourn, whose hearts are heavy and sore. We pray for recovery for those who are ill and have gone under, undergone surgery. We pray that your uh, healing hand will be upon them, restoring them again to health and to strength. We pray that you will be with those whose hearts are broken uh, because of death, because of the loss of loved ones. Those, Lord, who have gone through and are, are going through harrowing experiences, grant them your peace. Draw close to them, O Lord, we pray, and lead us in the paths of righteousness. Lead us, Lord, so that we might be able to lie down in the green pastures and uh, that we might walk in the paths of righteousness. Forgive us, Lord, for how often we, we slip off that path, how often we, we go our own way, how often we refuse to lay hold upon what your word is saying. Give us a sensitivity, Lord, to your word, and that we might indeed seek to walk in your way, to walk in your commandments, knowing that this is the way of blessing. Lord, do us good then, we pray. Watch over us, protect us, and may the light of the Lord illuminate our path 
and our life. Forgive us our every sin, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask God. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Just a wee word to, to the young people. Uh, I always like to go for a walk at some point in the day, but the other day I didn't have a chance. It was a very full day. There was just so much happening. And it was about nine o'clock at night. Uh, I went off for a walk. And I love the castle grounds. Uh, it's one of my favourite places. And uh, I went for a walk over there. And uh, it's lovely in an evening or in, in the night when the castle was fairly lit up. And uh, the harbour lights and just all the buildings round about lit up. And uh, it, it was all so nice. I walked over towards uh, Keddy Point. But before I reached Keddy Point, I, I turned uh, up uh, one of the... There's a lot of paths there. And I decided I would go right up the back and then round and down by the back of the castle. And it was... Uh, everything was fine to begin with. There's... The, you could see quite clearly as you make your way to Kelly Point. And as I was going up the hill, light, of course, was getting less and less. It was a very dark night. It was a night because there were, there were no stars. It was a very it was a cloudy night and maybe a little, little bit of rain, but uh, not much. And a, quite a windy night. And uh, as I went up further and further and then round the back, I came to a point where I no longer could see where I was going. It was so dark because the branches of the trees were it was like an umbrella over. And it was really, I was walking quite quickly, but I started having to walk slower and slower and slower because I actually no longer knew whether I was on the path or off the path. And I was wishing I'd had my phone with me because then I could have put on a light, but I, I didn't. So I was having to walk very, very carefully. And uh, there was no sound, or the only sound I could hear was the creaking of the branches uh, with, with the wind. And of course, way in the distance, I could see a wee light from where the castle was. But right where I was round there, I was in total darkness. And I began to think way back when I was a wee boy. And I was saying, well, how different, here I am now, I'm getting pretty old. And how different things are, because when I was a wee boy, supposing I'd given me a million pound, I would not have walked up there on my own in the dark, because I used to be very afraid of the dark. And if I was out in the dark, because when I, when I grew up, when I was a wee boy, that part, when I grew up, there was no streetlights, and it was very, very dark where, where we were. And if I heard a sound at night, I would run to the house because I didn't know whether that was a lion or a tiger or a monster. Could have been, you know. When you're that age, these sounds, you didn't know exactly what it was. But uh, I was always afraid of these noises and afraid of the dark. And uh, I remember, uh, of course, the, the dark is quite a, uh, it's a, it's a funny thing because you just can't see. Uh, I remember years ago coming across uh, a wee book. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, I think it was Silly Verse for Kids by Spike Milligan. I remember looking through it and there's one wee poem that really st it, it, it stayed with me. And it was it's called Things That Go Bump in the Night. You probably know it. Things That Go Bump in the Night. 
really give one a fright. It's the hole in each ear that lets in the fear, that and the absence of light. And while it's part of the, all these silly little verses, it's actually really true. Because when we hear these bumps in the, in the dark, we just don't know, what, what, what was that? And it's funny how at night we worry more. We, we worry about things more. A storm is always worse at night than during the day. And night, night's a funny time. And sometimes, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the dark, uh, you, you say to yourself, oh, what, what, what's that? <coughs> Excuse me a minute. But you know, when I, when I was thinking about all this, I was saying, in a sense, our lives sometimes are like storms at night. And as we said, in the dark, you don't know what's in front of you. And maybe you're a wee bit worried and say, I might be off that. Like I was walking in the ground. I didn't know whether I was in the path or not. I didn't know I might be going to walk into a ditch. I couldn't see. So I was a wee bit worried about what was behind me, what was in front of me. And then there was all that creaking behind. But sometimes we're like that. And we're, you might be like that just now. And you're worried about things that are in front of you. You're worried about the future. There's things you have to do and you're really, really worried about it. And you're worried about what's behind you, your past. Because you've said things and you've done things and you wish you hadn't. And you're saying, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. What's going to happen because of what I did? What's going to happen because of what I said? We have all these kind of worries. And sometimes we worry more about them at night. But you know, that's why it's so important to have Jesus. Because we want Jesus to come in because Jesus is light. Do you remember when the disciples were crossing the sea, it was a really wild night. And all of a sudden they saw there was a struggling in the boat and they looked and here was Jesus. They didn't know it was Jesus at first. They saw someone walking on the water to them and they cried out in fear. And what did Jesus say? Oh, he said, if you could cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And that's what Jesus is saying to us as well in the dark. He's saying, it's me. Don't be afraid. Because if I'm with you, you don't need to be afraid. There was another time the disciples were crossing. There was another storm and Jesus was asleep in the boat. But it was so bad that night, the disciples, the water was piling into the boat. They were afraid it was going to sink. And they woke Jesus up and they said, Master, do you not realise we're all likely to, to die in this? We're going to drown. What did Jesus do? He just got up and he calmed the water. He said, peace, be still. Isn't that wonderful? And it tells us there was a great calm. This storm and the sea surging all of a sudden, everything came like glass. Jesus is able to do that for you and for me. And he's able to do that about what we're scared of and what's ahead of us and scared of what's behind us. You ask Jesus to come into your life and to bring that peace and to bring that calm because 
He's with you and he'll do that for you. And in the dark things that are in your life, ask him to come in with his light. Remember what it says in the Bible, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So you ask the Lord to light up your life, to light up the path so that you can see where you're going and that every day you will know his peace in your heart. Then say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to read God's word now from John's Gospel, Gospel of John, and chapter 5. John chapter 5. We read from the beginning. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralysed. One man was there who had been invalided for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was a Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is a Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Amen. And may God bless to us this reading of his own holy word. And I want us to look this morning at the healing of this man at the pool. So from the beginning of the chapter, it tells us there now there is uh, in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool uh, called Bethesda. Easily a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there, and he'd been an invalid for 38 years. And so we find Jesus coming to the man and saying, Do you want to be healed? And then Jesus said to him, Get up, 
take up your bed and walk and so on. In this chapter we write of this pool uh, uh, in Jerusalem called Bethesda. It was a place of hope, Bethesda. Uh, of course we ourselves know uh, the Bethesda here, uh, which of course is such a, a a great blessing to us as a community. In fact, Bethesda means house of mercy. And that certainly is true of our own Bethesda here in this island. And it's been a blessing to so many people in the islands here. And we give th thanks to the Lord for our own Bethesda. But in this chapter, we find that there was a, a lot of people, invalided people, who were around this pool. It seemed like there'd be five patios there and the kind of veranda around them, uh, veranda uh, above them, and the people with varying disabilities were lying around this pool. And it would appear that there must have been something about the water. Now, in the very earliest manuscripts, it's exactly as we have here, but some of the later manuscripts uh, have it that uh, an explanation that well, they, they've added it in that an angel came and stirred the water but there's actually no mention of that in the earliest manuscript but when the water was stirred uh, the first person who went down into it whoever went into the water first uh, the, there was healing in, in that water so that's why there were all these people around this pool hoping and waiting there was this ray of hope that when the water was stirred and if they got into the water, that there could be healing for them. And, uh, of course, it focuses upon this man who had been an invalid for 38 years. And the thing is that when we're uh, well and healthy, we do, we, one of the sad things is we so often take our health for granted. Uh, I think all, all of us who have at any point ended up in hospital with whatever We've always said the same thing, you know, I took my health for granted. And we do. But all we have to do is to take a walk into a hospital or into our care homes. And it's a sharp reminder to us of all the illness and all the weakness and all the frailty and all the disability uh, that there is in this world. And again, a reminder to us of the, the ravages of sin. Because it is sin that has brought all that into our world. When God created Adam and Eve at the beginning, he created them perfectly. There was no weakness. There was no illness. There were, there were none of these things. None of the diseases that uh, are so prevalent today. They were healthy. They were fit. They were well. But sin, of course, has brought all the devastation into this world. All the sicknesses, all the, all that happens, this virus that's here today, it's all because as a result of sin. And sin has affected everything. And uh, we just look at the, every broken dream is as a result of sin. Every broken relationship is as a result of sin. Every broken life is as a result of sin. Sin affects everything. Every cry that we hear from heart and mouth of those who have been bruised and battered and abused, and every pain in this world, every broken heart in this world, 
every loss in this world comes because of sin. And the sad thing is, when we see sin like that, and we see the ugliness of sin, and we see the devastation of sin, we, we abhor sin. But a lot of the time we don't. Because we don't see sin in that way. And often we side with sin. Because of our sinful nature, we are often attracted to sin and we sympathise with sin. And sin so often comes to us in the form of temptation, as it were, with sweet packaging. But we don't see if we were to strip that sweet packaging off that underneath it, there is always sorrow and pain and eventually death. The wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible tells us. And that's why we find Jesus at the grave of Lazarus. We find him inwardly groaning. There's an anger in Jesus towards the effect of sin. He is, he is seeing sin for what it is, and its ugliness, and its viciousness, and its anger, and all that it is. And how thankful we are that Jesus met sin, and defeated sin, and that he broke its power, and he broke the consequences of sin and the devastation of sin and the punishment of sin. He took all that upon himself in order that we may know the, the liberty and freedom that, has, that comes from being delivered from our sin. Although we, as long as we live in this world, we will remain sinners. But the, 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 the punishment and the consequences of sin and all these things have been taken from us if we if we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour. <clears throat> That's why, of course, Jesus' name was called Jesus, because he shall save his people from their sins. So along the poolside at Bethesda were all these people uh, with varying disabilities, and they mention that there were those who were blind and lame and paralyzed. And while these are very difficult things to deal with at a physical level, there are also pictures of how people are and who we are by nature spiritually as well. Blind. Now, blindness must be an awful thing to bear with. I often think myself and I say, well, it would be, it'd be, it'd be an, an awful thing to have. I remember my granny, uh, she lived with us in the last few years of her life, she went blind. It was a gradually, slowly, slowly, until she couldn't really see at all. I used to say, "Oh man, that must be a must be an awful thing to 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 lose your sight." But spiritually, uh, that's who we are by nature. We're, we're we're blind by nature, and we don't see our situation. We don't we don't actually we're not aware of how we actually are before God. That we are sinners, and that God's wrath. And God's judgment is hanging over us. We haven't seen, we don't see that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We don't see that we are in desperate need of a saviour. We're blind to the fact of, of our need of a saviour and we're blind to the way of salvation. Even although often we know it and <clears throat> we maybe could tell others about it, but we're actually blind itself personally too how it is that we that we are to be saved. And what we've got to remember is the, the enemy of our souls is 
adding to the natural blindness that is already within our heart. Because it tells us that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. <clears throat> I remember when our children were, were small and sometimes if you were away at night and you're coming back and maybe, maybe one of them had fallen asleep in the car and it's late at night. And you're saying, oh, try and, try and get him or her up into bed without wakening. You would open the car door, you'd open the house door, you'd open every door and you'd carry up and lay them down in the bed trying not to waken because you're afraid if they waken then they might not get back to sleep. And you know in a sense, Satan is like that. He's lulling us to sleep. He doesn't want our eyes to open. And he'll do anything and everything that will keep us in this in this way, journeying along, <clears throat> not when we don't realise that we're actually journeying along to, to lostness, to a lost eternity. That's what Satan is doing. He's blinding our eyes and keeping us in this dull frame of mind spiritually so that we don't see our need. So it's a, it's a very, very difficult situation. And so we have to ask the Lord to open our eyes. And you know this, we never stop asking the Lord to open our eyes. And if today you have never seen your need of a saviour and you've never seen the power of Jesus to save, ask the Lord today, Lord, open my eyes that I might see you, that I might see clearly, that I might see that I need a saviour and that I might see you there as a saviour who can save me. Because he can. He can save you right now. And you know, once we see Jesus as our saviour and once we've been saved, we never stop asking for our eyes to be opened. We ask, Lord, open thou mine eyes that I might see wonderful things out of your law. Every day as we come to God's word, we want that our eyes will be open to see more and more of Jesus. And then we find the lame. These are those who have difficulty, difficulty walking. Walking is painful and walking is slow. And that is also true spiritually. Because the command in scripture is, walk humbly with your God. But you know, before we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one thing we do not want to do is to walk humbly with our God. We don't do it. We want to walk our own way. We want to, in fact, we're walking away from God. Whenever Adam sinned, that's what he did. He tried to not only walk away from God, but run away from God. Beforehand, it was his delight to walk with the Lord, in fellowship with the Lord. When he had sinned, it was to run away from God. And uh, the Lord wants to walk with us. That's what he wants to do. And you know, that's one of the wonderful things. You know, the moment that we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we want to walk with him. It's our desire to, to be in the company and the fellowship of the Lord and to walk humbly with our God. And then we see those that are paralyzed, and, of course, paralysis is an, an awful thing. An awful thing to, to lose the ability and strength in any limb or in, in your body. But in a sense, spiritually, we're paralysed because if you're paralysed, you can't do for yourself. You're dependent upon somebody else. And that is true spiritually because we're paralysed by sin and we cannot save ourselves. It is only the Lord who is able to save. 
And so we find here we are around this pool and there's all these all these people and there's this man who's been there for 38 years. This man has been abandoned and there's nobody there to help him. And uh, we find that all of a sudden that Jesus uh, comes into his life. And you know what? One of the things uh, that really would be so sad about that, that, that particular time is the religious leaders of the day would have had nothing to do with that man. In fact, they probably would never have gone. Uh, they would never be seen at Bethesda. Because in at Bethesda, around that pool, there were the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And in those days, the religious leaders very mistakenly thought that any sin or deformity or disability or anything like that was as a direct result of some sin within that person's life. And so, in their own sort of moral judgment and their own moral elevation of themselves, they put themselves up there and they would look down on these people as if they were lepers to be avoided. I remember the blind man that Jesus had healed and before he was healed, they, they asked him the question, who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus said, no, that's not the way it is. Jesus, of course, had to teach them. So that, that there was this terrible thinking that any person who had anything wrong with them, it was a result of their sin or their parents' sin or whatever. Now, of course, everything at one level is a result of sin. But Jesus comes up to this man and for the first time in 38 years there's a ray of hope coming into his life. And Jesus takes the initiative. And Jesus said to him very simply, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? I'm going to stop there for a second. I'm going to ask you that question. And if you're here today listening in to the service and you're still outside the kingdom, and you're still <clears throat> without the healing of Jesus in your soul. The question that is being asked of you today is, do you want to be healed? And maybe you're saying no. Or maybe you're saying yes, but not yet. I hope you're saying yes, I do want to be healed. Because Jesus alone is, is able to heal you and he can do so today. And so this man, this man with the, uh, the disability, he explained the scene to Jesus and he said, I have nobody to help me. So that when the water is stirred and I try to get down to the water, somebody else always gets there before me and I don't make it in time. Imagine if that's how it was today with the way of salvation. Imagine if there you are and here, I, here am I and the Lord is saying, I'm here for you. I am here to save you. And you say, Lord, here I come, save me. But then somebody else goes first and that's it. For who knows how long, if ever. And that's it, the door is closed. And there's no more opportunity. Or there might be, but it might be another couple of years. Imagine if, imagine if it was like that. You know, we take the door of salvation for granted that it's always open, and it is open, it's open today. But we somehow, we just say, ah, oh, that's the way it is. 
without realising that this is a wonderful opportunity. The Bible says, now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. This is an acceptable time. It's an acceptable time now. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. So the opportunity is here. Jesus is saying today, behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's what he says. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. So Jesus asks the man this obvious question. Do you want to be healed? And Jesus asks us that question as well. You know, it's a funny thing because there are some people and they'll say, yes, I do want to be healed, but but not yet because I don't know how it's going to impact on my life. If I become a Christian, I don't know how it's going to work for me in the circle of friends I have, in the work with my work colleagues. I don't know how it's going to impact at home. It's going to, is it not going to change my life big style? I don't know if I'm ready for that. Well, you know, we can, to a certain extent, can understand that because we're familiar with what we're used to and we're saying, I don't know what, <clears throat> well, let me tell you this. It won't do you anything but good. Jesus will bring into your life that which is missing. He will bring this salvation which all of a sudden will change your whole relationship to God. And the fear and anxiety that you have in your heart that because you are running away from God, that fear and anxiety will go because you are now at one with him. And you can't put a price on that. And that's why it is so important that we deal with this. And yes, your circle of friends may, they may react, they might not. I remember when I, when I was uh, converted, I, I, I was uh, wondering, how, how will people react? How will people deal with this? It's amazing the number of people. There were some, there were some who kind of turned their back. There were some who didn't quite know how to deal with it. But I couldn't get over how many people not only were accepting of it, but how many said, oh, well, I'm pleased for you. There were some people that I just never expected for a moment. They said, oh, I'm really pleased for you. I went, oh, didn't think I was saying, oh. So you don't know how people are going to react. But the important thing is that you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we find that Jesus very simply said to the man, right, get up, take up your bed and walk. And what I love here is that the man responded to Jesus. He responded to the words of Jesus. He didn't sit there and say, you're asking me to do something I can't do. I've been trying for 38 years to get up. What's the point of me trying to get up? But he very simply at the word of Jesus, which was an exercise of faith, he stood up, he got up, and he walked. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. And that's how we must react to the gospel. And when the, you have this invitation today to come to Jesus, you come as you are and say, Lord, here I am, save me. And you will receive the gift of salvation. Remember, God gives we receive. Salvation is a gift. Lord, come into my heart. But I want to say two things in conclusion. 
The first is this. The man who was healed didn't know that it was Jesus who had healed him. We read about that in verses 12 and 13. Isn't that extraordinary? Here's this man and he's richly blessed by Jesus. His life is transformed by Jesus. But he didn't know that it was Jesus who had done it. And you know, our lives are packed so often with blessings. Packed with so many good things. And so often we don't thank Jesus or even realise that it is the Lord who has done that for us. You remember, it's a very solemn part of Scripture, but when Israel had gone into Egypt, into Canaan, into the Promised Land, God said to them, I want to bless you. I want to bless you in yourselves. I'm going to bless you in your homes. I'm going to bless you in the land. I'm going to prosper things. It's going to go well for you. But, he said, be careful. Do not forget to honour me and to obey me and to recognise that it's me who's giving you these things and to thank me for them. Because if not, he said, I'll take these things away from you. All these things that you've enjoyed, because you failed to acknowledge me as a giver, I will take them away. And I can't help but think just now, as our nation is beginning to almost more and more, we're looking into a possible real economic crisis. And just we're seeing our, our whole nation, everything that we know, the brakes put on and life becoming so uncertain and future becoming so uncertain. Is God doing what he said? If you don't acknowledge me and give me thanks for all the good and blessings and great things I've given to you, I'm going to come one day and I'm going to begin to take these things away. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord and ask the Lord to forgive us and make sure that you thank the Lord and I must thank the Lord for all the blessings that he has brought into our life. And that he'll have mercy upon us as a nation and heal our land. But the other thing, uh, and with this we conclude, is that the miracle nearly caused a riot. <laughs> you know, poor, this poor man, the first day in 38 years he's walking. Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. And he meets the Pharisees, he meets the religious leaders. They're saying, hey! What are you doing carrying your bed? You know that that's forbidden on the Sabbath. There's nothing in the Bible to say you can't carry your bed on the Sabbath day. They had made loads and loads and loads of other rules. By the way, <clears throat> the works of necessity and mercy didn't come into their thinking. And so here is this man. And you would think on the first day for 38 years that he's walked... If ever there was a cause for celebration, and oh, isn't that wonderful to see? No, straight away there, what are you doing? And you see, that's what legalism is like. That's what our legal spirit does without God's grace, without the love of God within the heart. And if we're trying to be, if a person is purely religious, they become really legalistic. And the legalism takes away spontaneous joy in the Lord. And so these religious leaders, if they had been able to see who Jesus was and what Jesus had done, they should have been rejoicing with that man rather than, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. 
we need to ask the Lord to deliver us from the legalistic spirit and that to give us the compassion and the love and the grace of God, that that is what will fill our heart and motivate our lives so that we will know the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, and that we will find that there is an amazing freedom in the grace of God. May we all know this healing that Jesus alone can bring and the liberty and the freedom that his grace brings into our lives. Let us pray. Lord our God, again we give thanks for uh, your goodness and mercy towards us. We pray that you'll bless our short time together and that uh, the word of God will go deep into our heart. Cleanse us from our every sin, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. We're going to conclude singing from Psalm 103 in the Scottish Psalter, Psalm 103, page 369, and we're going to sing verses 1 to 4. O thou my soul, bless God the Lord, and all that in me is, be stirred up his holy name to magnify and bless. Bless, O my soul, the Lord thy God, and not forgetful be of all his gracious benefits he hath bestowed on me. See how we're not to forget. We're to bless the Lord and not to be forgetful of all the gracious benefits he's bestowed on us. That's what the psalm is telling us. That's what God told the people and that's how we must live, that we must bless and praise the Lord uh, for all these things. Verses 1 to 4 of Psalm 103. O thou my soul, bless God the Lord. O thou my soul, bless God the Lord. Spirit, rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen. Uh, please join again with us this evening if you're able to as we meet at half past six and uh, the service then will be taken by the Reverend James McKeever.